tattooing a dick on your back, Byron. <laughs> it's a fallen soldier, bro. No. Word of Record. Man, I was fucking racing to the recording button that time. Oh, know. really? Like, I totally. I, like, I wasn't ready, but like I'm like, I can make it in time, and I got there just in time. <laughs> so. Speaking of time, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Waffle Press <laughs> Retrospective. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, because we, we're, you know, there's all this time. Uh, we're here to talk about sabotage. <laughs> You're out the, of time. The, we're going to talk about the, Back to the Future Part 3. I like that one. I know it's not beloved, but I like that one. Yeah, I think I reached a point in my life where I realized I never need to watch the Back to the Future films ever again. Alright, I respect that. Those are, I think those, they quickly became movies where everyone's like, they're perfect screenplays. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes. I am extremely aware of that. Yeah. So, that that was No, but see, I did it right, or I guess my parents did, or whoever the fuck. Because I only saw Back to the Future, like, twice in my life. Mm-hmm. So it's still, like, out there for me to rediscover. Okay. You know? I mean, they're fine. I, I don't think I watched them a ton, but they were kind of like... You know, they helped get, like, an introduction to time travel. Mm-hmm. It's oh, like, oh, no, they're totally, like, baby's first time travel. And yeah. I don't mean that, like, as a negative at all. It's just, like, that's that's definitely going to be, like, your first experience with movie time travel, you know? But it's definitely, like, not a movie where I'm, like, that's part of the canon, you know? For me, anyway. Yeah, like, I, I, I could get that. I That would need to be, like, a rewatch for me to, like, solidify it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know what is part of my canon? Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Actually, yes. I, I think that's a great film. <laughs> no, so. no, I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just saying, fantastic. If we're going to put a fucking Zemeckis film in the canon, it's yeah. fuck Forrest Gump. It's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's either that or Allied. Oh, God, no. I liked Allied so Allied, much. Allied blue, man. No. Anyways, what is not in most people's canon of films is uh, Sabotage. Coming off a hot streak with Tank... End of Watch, one of the original drafts of the original Fast and Furious, which has my entire heart. Uh, David Ayer was part of Arnold Schwarzenegger's return to the the big screen along with The Last Stand, which we talked about two weeks ago at this point now, uh, before Scott Pilgrim, which we definitely recorded before this episode. Oh, yeah. Actually, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the guy who brought David Ayer on board for this project. Really? Yeah, because he saw End of Watch... Uh-oh. And thought, what a great film. What what great writing. <laughs> what great talent. I want to work with that guy. Wow. As I restart my late era career. Yeah. Uh, not a great calculation. Although, uh, fucking End of Watch was like a critical darling. It like, was a critical darling. I liked it when I first saw it. Yeah. Everyone, not so much anymore. Everyone was insane. Yeah. Like, everyone said that movie was good. Everyone was out of their fucking minds. Yeah, I, I was watching it last year, and I was just like, no. Yeah, it, yeah I, I saw that shit when it came out, and I was like, no. Like, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a piece of shit. I, uh, uh, sorry. Yeah. Well, did, uh, did did Tank come out before this? I thought that was like the same year, but after. Same year, but uh, that one I know had a much smoother production. This mm-hmm. one, um, David Ayer basically just doesn't really count. <laughs> and, yeah, it's a uh, shame because it's his best movie. It, it is completely his best film. Uh, I, we've made it clear. If you've listened to us talk about anything before, you probably know that we're not David Ayer fans. No, we're not. 
and we're saying this is his best film, uh, mm. which is not the case for many, many other people on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. It was a bomb. It only grossed $22 million in a $35 million budget. Schwarzenegger's performance was praised. Everyone was exhausted by the, quote, grueling violence on display. <laughs> People called it morally reprehensible, a vile, disgusting film. And it might genuinely be like an exploitation masterpiece. Yeah, it's uh, all those reviews are correct. Yes. They, they're all right. I don't want to, like, downplay that those are, like, people, like, not being able to handle it. Like, they're 100%. This movie is a morally reprehensible film. <laughs> like, rewatching it, it was almost criminal. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, it might be a schlock exploitation masterpiece. Like, yeah, it's of just the purest kind. It's and, so good. Yeah. I believe you told me one time that David Ayer is just talented enough to accidentally make a good film. Yeah. And this is the one. Yeah, this is it. This this might be it. I mean, that was the thing where I was saying like I saw End of Watch, I hated it, and this movie was being advertised as from the director of End of Watch. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to see it. But I was basically dragged at gunpoint to go see this movie. And I walked out and I was like, that was fucking good. Like, <laughs> it was ridiculous, but it was, like, fascinating. And then, unfortunately, I think that lowered my defenses. And then I saw Tank. And uh, I that that is maybe one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> I still think End of Watch is worse. Because before I get into why I love Sabotage... I love sabotage, <laughs> um, but uh, I want to say that David Ayer is an enemy of me. Like mm-hmm. I, I would probably fight him if I could. He might. Is he one of those guys that like actually trains to fight? Like I don't know. He seems like one him. of those one of those insecure guys who's like just goes to boxing all the time. Maybe he's always like sporting like military gear on yeah. his hats and clothes and stuff. And he's well, like, I'll have more. I'll have more to say about that later. Oh, I uh, I think we both will. <laughs> um, I think it's impossible not to when it comes to David Ayer. I, it's just so hysterical looking at like his filmography. He was a writer for the longest time, and it's shit like SWAT and Dark Blue. You know, like these are mm-hmm. like almost jokes. The first Fast and Furious movie is like almost a joke. Like it's not a real movie. <laughs> It's it's on the weaker spectrum of that franchise. For I've been sure. I've been in the middle of the rewatch. I've been going through them. Um, so far, that's the worst one. Oh. Uh, I'm only I'm only three in though. Okay, I, no, I, that makes that tracks. That, yeah. that completely tracks. It's been like yeah. a steady like upward swing. Mm-hmm. And uh, but like Fast and Furious, like it sucks because it thinks it's a real movie still. <laughs> like it thinks it's a movie about like this actual underground world that doesn't exist. <laughs> but they, that's how they stole the DVD players back in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I will say just because I... Remember The Sopranos also stole DVD players? Well, David Ayer thought he was doing The Sopranos and Point Break. I know. He, that's the thing. Like, the first Fast and Furious movie has, like, such a high opinion of itself that it's like, no, you don't understand. This is about fucking real shit. These are, like, the real lives of people in this world. And it's like, Vin Diesel cannot sell that. <laughs> no, but I will say... God the, bless the, him. God bless him. The thing him. <laughs> that makes Vin Diesel a great, like, blockbuster star, in my opinion, is mm-hmm. not, not his strength as, like, 
a flexible actor, but I think he's solid. I think he's good. He, he yeah. that Sidney Lumet film he starred in, he's really good in. But I think what like separates him is that he understands like very sincere character stuff. Yeah. And what makes most of the stuff in the original Fast and Furious work for me mm-hmm. is the sincerity of like the relationships. And then the sequels pick up those threads and they get better as they go along yeah. almost. And then they we're in, we're in a little decline right now. We'll see how this we come out the other end of this. Even me as a fast head. We'll, we'll see. But um, that's what makes that work. Sabotage is the complete opposite of yes, that. There's where no it's just sincerity. like, no, life is worthless. It's pure hatred in every frame. Like, every fl- frame is just disease. Like, <laughs> it's... I mean, it, it opens on a snuff film. Yeah. That's the opening of this movie. Is yeah. A, with no explanation. Like, we get an explanation eventually, but it's just Arnold watching a woman being tortured to death. And, you know, I, I, I got I to gotta go back for a second and say that David Ayer, I was calling him my enemy. I should probably make clear why. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been referred to as, like, a Latin exploitation director where, like, he's he's basically taking, like, job opportunities from, like, Latin filmmakers. Uh-huh. Like, Latin American filmmakers. Because he's taken a lot of, like, our actors and like iconography and then slapping like this this white guy aesthetic over it yeah. all and see like see this is how the streets are this is real hey i gotta you know? i gotta give him credit he was in the service he was in the united states navy okay okay in the navy sorry i even feel bad about doing that joke towards david air i apologize uh, I'll, yeah. I'll just say i know people who've been in the navy and they're an interesting group of folks. Um, he's only in <laughs> for two um, years. Is that normal? I mean, that's like pre-war, I guess. Oh, that's Cold War. I don't fucking know. Is that why he wrote that submarine movie? Um, I'm guessing. Was he on a submarine? I don't uh, even know. Uh, I don't know. says, yeah, he, he wrote it based on his experiences as a submariner in the U.S. Navy. Um, all right, sure. Good for him. Um, I will say, I think the lesson I learned... Uh, rewatching and uh, sabotage. Oh, did I interrupt your point about him being? Uh, <laughs> sorry. No, no. He he just. I I think he sucks. Um, I, I'll save this point. Whatever. Yeah. Just. I think he just generally sucks as he's a bad filmmaker. I mean, you know. I could I could live with him being a bad filmmaker if he seemed like a good guy who oh, like shit, listened got a, he had a to proper criticism that came but, out recently. I did not even notice. Uh, oh, his last movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was kind of leading up to, where he, he cast Shia LaBeouf, and he, he made it clear that, like, no, he's, like, a white dude who grew up, like, in the hood, mm-hmm. and that's why he's all, like, tatted up, and, like, he ha- he has, like, a, he gave him a, the character, like, a certain dialect, and that's why, because he grew up in the hood, so he's cool with the homies. And when I saw him explaining that in the thread, I was like, you know what? No, I'm done. Yeah. Fuck off. Sorry. He's, Goodbye. He's definitely going somewhere right now talking about how cancel culture has gone too far. Like, he, yeah. like, David Ayer is just talking to no one in particular about cancel culture as we speak. Well, he referred to his original cut of Suicide Squad as, like, a thoughtful drama. That's impossible. There's no way, no. <laughs> that, that there is nowhere on Earth that version of Suicide Squad exists. This is the best Suicide Squad movie. A little bit, yeah. There's definitely, it gets closer to it. I was gonna say, though, like, David Ayer is, like, Fury... Uh, Suicide Squad, Bright, 
like all in a row all ended up on like my worst of the year list <laughs> like completely those, valid yeah those are like abysmal films but he's i don't know if he's my enemy totally but right now he's working on the dirty dozen uh, <laughs> which dirty dozen is one of my all-time favorite movies and like it's just he like suicide squad already was his dirty dozen and he fucked that up so like and there's no way his dirty dozen isn't about fucking killing the cartel or something. Oh yeah. Like, by the it, way, for people that don't know, he is apparently tapped to do at this point in 2021, mm-hmm. uh, an adaptation of, of the dirty dozen yeah. a remake, I guess. There's no, there's no fucking way. Like, unless it's still set in world war two, which like, I don't know, maybe like it's, I just fuck that. Like, that'll, that'll bum me out. That will genuinely, like, bum me out. Because Dirty mm-hmm. Dirty Dozen's kind of, like, a perfect little movie. That's also, like, just sleazy. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's also one of those things where, like, if you want to understand why Suicide Squad doesn't work, just watch Dirty Dozen. <laughs> like, which has a lot more heavy lifting to do. And it does it better. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. he's I, We gotta mention, though, there's a co-writer on this film. Oh, I have a big note about him. Uh, why, don't, why don't you start with, with Skip Woods? Yeah, legendary screenwriter. And for those that don't know, and I know at least a couple out there do know Skip Woods, the name. Mm-hmm. Um, his credit list goes from A Good Day to Die Hard, both Hitman film adaptations. <laughs> don't know how he got that job twice. Uh, Wolverine Origins, Max Payne. So he's uh well, he did you know. Max Payne? I did not know that he did Max Payne. Uh-oh. Oh no, wait, you know what? I, I apologize. He worked with the director a lot. Um Uh-oh. the guy who did uh, uh Good Day to Die Hard. Yeah. yeah that John something film. or other. John John Moore mm-hmm. did Max Payne, I apologize. Skip Woods well, did not, but Skip Woods is uh Oh, and he, he also wrote uh Swordfish. Yes, that's where I was going. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, go cause ahead. Now, because here's the thing, I we like we should do Swordfish one of these days, <laughs> but it's like I can't, I cannot think of like any excuse to do Swordfish. <laughs> like it is, it's not like a failed blockbuster, but it's also like not a successful film. But also, that director has never made anything else worth talking about, except for Season of the Witch, maybe. <laughs> um. It, the only the only thing I think of is that like Swordfish is interesting in comparison to something like Black Hat, where Swordfish is like a very two thousand one idea of how we thought hacking worked. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, I just have Swordfish starts with one of the most hilariously overconfident openings in cinema history. <laughs> have you ever seen it? No, I still haven't. You have not seen Swordfish? No, no. All right, the opening to Swordfish is John Travolta monologuing directly to camera. And he's like, you know why Hollywood films suck? (laughs) So it's because Hollywood makes bullshit movies that aren't realistic. Now, Swordfish is a film where there's going to be a bus being flown in the air by a helicopter. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's like crashing through billboards in L.A. (laughs) And this is the opening where it's like, yeah, you, you know, it's not realistic. It didn't push the movies don't push the envelope. And so you're basically getting an idea of what this movie thinks is realistic. Mm-hmm. And then he, he 
he goes on a monologue, his monologue continues, and he starts talking about Dog Day Afternoon. And says it's like one of Lamette's, it's probably Lamette's best film, right? <laughs> and gives a hilarious misread of Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> I think I've seen this clip growing around Twitter, but I, I didn't watch it beyond the it, Dog Day Afternoon reference. It's just like... Like, they call it a morality tale, <laughs> where it's like, good guy wins, bad guy loses, which is absolutely not what happens in Dog Day Afternoon. Oh Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you know what he should have done? He should have shot a hostage immediately, and then said, I will kill a hostage every ten minutes until I get my demands. And then he wins, right? Like, that's how, that's how it should have gone, right? Oh my god. God. That's that's like the opening monologue to Swordfish, <laughs> and then what you what follows is one of the least realistic, most insane, most melodramatic films that thinks it's like high art that you will ever see. There's like gunfights in like the middle of Los Angeles, and like they like hacking is done with a gun to your head. Like, that's how hacking works. Oh, right, right. Well, it sounds kind of like, uh, like from the the little Twitter thing that I saw going around, too, for that monologue. Mm-hmm. Like, they want to be Tony Scott or something. Yeah, I think it's trying to be, it's Tony Scott and it's the post-Pulp Fiction thing, which is cool. Oh, of course. Every, like, everything for, like, a decade Yeah, where, like, that e- shit. everyone talks about pop culture now in movies. Mm-hmm. And how much smarter they are than it. (laughs) Which it's like, say what you will about Tarantino, but that was like not what he was doing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, there's like just a a solid decade of films that were trying to be Pulp Fiction. And Swordfish is one of them. So maybe that's, we could do something like that (laughs) of like Pulp Fiction ripoffs. That's like the only way we could talk about Swordfish. But it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those movies where much like Sabotage, where I think Sabotage thinks, on some level, it's like a realistic crime film. <laughs> like, I think Swordfish is very similar, where it thinks this is what hacking is. And Before is we the... get into, like, the nitty-gritty, I guess, uh, <laughs> emphasis on gritty, of, of, like, the plot and, like, all the weird machinations, I listened and watched several David Ayer interviews about this film. Oh, why would you do that? Because I needed to know where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this movie was an accident. But it doesn't, like, impact my enjoyment of the film. Yeah. Because, fuck him. But also, he's describing things like, you know, I really wanted to put these guys through the meat grinder. He's talking about, like, you know, I really want people to understand what these men and women do in the line of duty to protect us from evil. Yeah, I definitely got that vibe from it. I definitely got that. And I guess my point... <laughs> is that I think this movie proves that David Ayer is a real gullible fuck. Because he seems like one of those guys, you know, like, you know, Michael Mann does that where, like, Michael Mann hangs out with, like, real cops and real criminals. Yeah. And, like, we'll put them in the movie. Yeah. The main cop, bad guy in Thief, the one that pulls him over, is a thief that ended up being uh, the basis for the James Conn main character in Thief. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> was it like Dennis Farina was like a real detective? Yeah. Like before And Michael Mann's the reason he became an actor. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I think David Ayer is one of those guys where, like, he hangs out with, like, soldiers and, like, DEA guys 
and just whatever the fuck the team in Sabotage is supposed to be. And they just lie to him and they make up crazy shit they either saw, did, or heard about. And they're all lies. (laughs) And then David Ayer just believes them. Like, you know when you're talking to relatives, like, about anything? (laughs) And they're like, I heard from this guy in Texas, and then they describe something that 100% did not happen. <laughs> and then you you can't, like, argue with it. Because they're like, well, I heard from a guy that this happened. And then you're like, well, all right. And it's like, you clearly picked the end point before hearing this story. <laughs> yeah. And there's just a lot of that <laughs> in this movie. It just feels like, I, this is one of those movies where, like, I feel like we go through and talk about how ridiculous some of the stuff in it is. And then David Ayer somewhere has, like, just a fucking, like, binder full of all the, like, real stories he wrote down that he based this on. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. Which, like, I don't believe are true, but he definitely believes they're true. (laughs) Well, he also had a quote where he said specifically he wanted to give Arnold, like, a nuanced performance and character to play where he's like, you know, I didn't want to build up Arnold, the action star. I wanted to have a real human being there (laughs) and look, look, God bless you. But (laughs) I love Arnold Schwarzenegger as an actor. That's just never going to happen. Yeah. We talked about it in the last stand a little bit, but the joke in total recall is that Arnold Schwarzenegger is not, an yeah. average Joe. Yeah, it doesn't make any goddamn. It came sense. out in 1990. And I will say, he's like, I was trying to play down Arnold as a hero. There's a shot in this film that are real pictures of Arnold meeting with Clinton, Bush, and Obama, <laughs> and then a real picture of Arnold on like a film set somewhere holding a gun. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I, I have no idea, but the, the film was heavily marketed as, like, the next Schwarzenegger action picture. Part of me, like, kind of forcing you to do this movie in the middle of this mini-retrospective mm-hmm. was because it popped up on Netflix under yes. action films. And immediately my mind and heart just started, like, racing because I started, like, that's such a scary thought. These <laughs> poor people out in the world are like, whoa, we're not a Schwarzenegger picture I haven't seen before. I should watch it. And they're just going to stumble upon the most grotesque, vile work of art in the 21st century. Yeah. That was released in the mainstream cinemas. Yeah. It's 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 one of the more, like, it's one of those things where, like, every now and then we have a debate about a movie that, like, people have a problem with, you know? Like, I, I can't think of an example right now because no movies are getting released. <laughs> oh, you know what? Uh, today... Uh, this is just an example. Uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda, of all people, <laughs> had to release an apology because of uh, there not being enough. Uh, I don't understand because I don't know anything about In the Heights or the movie that was out. Mm-hmm. But I guess there weren't enough black characters in it, and like it was heavily set in a black neighborhood. It uh, but, not enough of uh, Afro Latinx people yeah. in, in the film. There's like and, there's like one person with like dark skin. And they're like a minor character. Okay. And there's some background. Well, he he got dragged for that because everyone was like, "What the fuck, dude?" Yeah. Like, and it's I a little like, weird. I think it's a that, little weird, all. but it's isn't it like about his life? Like, uh, no. Uh, um, I, I, it's just it was a passion project for him. Like, I think this is the thing that got him started well, pre Hamilton, right? Yeah, yeah. It was a musical. 
Yeah, yeah. And like, look, like I, I'm a white passing Mexican guy, but uh, I I understand the complaints completely. And yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna keep this in the rest of the episode, but like, I think it's worth saying that part of the the upset nature of of that discussion is like, you know, like it, it wouldn't be such a big deal if there were more movies for people of color. Yeah. Then every one of these wouldn't have to like adhere to like a, a bar of like perfection almost yeah and that's yeah. not that's not even me like defending well, the film because yeah. like, i didn't like it that much i haven't seen it and i'll probably i'll wait for the like half off tuesday or whatever next yeah, week it's on hbo max it's... yeah i'm not no, no, you I'm know ref- what i'm Actually, refusing yeah. i am refusing to watch any new release movies on hbo max now that the and, are open. and you know what if if you have to if you are interested i would recommend it in a theater because yeah. it, it is fun to well, watch with like a crowd of people that do want never like, mind enjoy all that movie. shit never mind that shit yeah. Here, all i'm saying is like all right so we just kind of have like a bit of a nuanced discussion around about that right mm-hmm. like the people who let this movie out should be in jail <laughs> like, like there is no ambiguity this is a fucking just awful horrific offensive disgusting movie and it's one of those ones where, like, you will watch occasionally where it, like, goes so far that it, like, comes back around to being, like, fascinating, you know? Like, this is what a movie, I think, is playing 24-7 in the minds of, like, MAGA heads all the time. Like, I think this is how those people think the world works, you know? Yeah. Like... I think this is honestly the... This is going to sound fucking insane. But this is the movie, like, I wanted Sicario to be. Like, Sicario thinks it's, like, a nuanced film. And it's not. It's just dumb. And this is dumb. But it's so dumb it ends up being kind of nuanced. Uh, we should also note that, according to the Wikipedia, we found no basis or quote yeah, for any of this, not. but it's worth bringing up that, according to the, the production note on the Wikipedia, Sabotage is loosely based on the classic Agatha Christie novel, and then there were none. Yes. And I'll just say, again, <laughs> talking about offensive, uh, this movie's about as offensive as the original title for And Then There Were None. Mm-hmm. Um, do not look it up. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, uh, it the Wikipedia says this, but we could find a source for this, so it could be bullshit. And there's just a little bit of evidence against this suggestion, in that absolutely nothing that happens in Sabotage matches the story, and then there were none. <laughs> well, look, we're, we're like half an hour into this, so we mentioned the actual story for people that... Because I imagine a um, lot of people haven't seen this movie, actually. Yeah, well, I guess we... Just to step back one second, you were, like, talking about how worried you were that people on Netflix are watching this. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a important thing is that this movie was marketed as the cartel kidnapped Arnold's family, so he's getting a crew together to go get the cartel. That is not what this film is about at all. <laughs> that is one 100- the opening scene just immediately like deflates any yeah. expectations for that i mean even then it's like you wouldn't know what that opening scene is unless like you put like you'd be like oh maybe this is a flash forward like if it wasn't immediately followed by like 18 months later or something like that like it's uh yeah it's that is not what this movie's about at all and that's another thing where like 
the information is given out in such a weird way that I don't know how we're going to talk about it right, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, because again, like it opens with video on a watching a woman being tortured, but it's not revealed what that footage is until halfway through. But like, I'm guessing the audience knows what that footage is, <laughs> but I also don't know. <laughs> like, you know, it's something bad, mm-hmm. but you don't understand anything about why it's like. I mean, obviously, you know, snuff films are bad. Don't. Yeah, uh, doesn't it's not rocket science to figure that no, out. No movie. Like, this is also like. I have a thought, but you go first. The fucking counselor. How dare you! <laughs> this movie is very similar to the counselor. Was that the same fucking year? The counselor came out like nine months before, or something like oh, that. Oh shit! Counselor was 2013. Sabotage was 2014. All right, all right. Yeah, but uh, right. you know what? No, I, I kind of get what you're saying. Where it's just like insanely grotesque and violent. Yeah. And it's like it almost says nothing, but it's saying nothing makes it actually say something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very really clear. Thank you, Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, that's the only one where I think Cormac McCarthy was fucking playing a prank on Hollywood with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Where they're like, here's we, No Country for Old Men was a hit. We'll pay you anything for a script. And he just gave him the first thing he had. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ridley Scott was like, brilliant. <laughs> All right, well, look, the, the basic premise of this film, because this is important before I bring up what other film this reminded me of, mm. is this group of DEA, DEA agents steal money from the cartel, uh, the money goes missing, and they start getting picked off one by one. Yeah. They don't know who's doing what. It's it's part mystery. It's part crime drama, quote unquote, <laughs> or tries to be. Yeah. But then you have lines like Joe Manganiello going like, oh, we shouldn't have fingered the devil's pussy. Yes. Or some <laughs> shit. And you're just like, what fucking planet am I on? Yeah. And everyone talks like that. Yeah. Like every it doesn't character. stop. Yeah. I'm surprised the coroner didn't talk like that. Like he's the only one that's kind of reserved. Um. But no, but here's it's you're you're right. This is a movie. It starts as a heist film. It becomes a crime drama, which turns into a murder mystery, which and then in the last five minutes, it's a revenge film. I'll and get it, to those last five. It minutes. It was advertised. Fuck. It was advertised as those last five minutes. <laughs> so, all that to say, the movie this reminded me of is uh, Dario Argento's Bay of Blood. Oh, my God. (laughs) Hi, before I lose all my geek cred, yes, it was Mario Bava who directed Bay of Blood, not Dario Argento. Uh, Sorry to my Italian friends. Enjoy the show. Well, because that's also, like, it's not a mystery. It's just a a murder film. (laughs) I mean, it's a giallo, but it's about this family. Have you seen it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, it's it's about a family that is trying to get some money, and to do so, they have to like whittle each other down. Basically, they have to take each other out, and it's it's a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. But it's not stupid, you know. Not this is a stupid movie. Sabotage is know. like ridiculously dumb. Dario Argento always rides that line of like brilliant and stupidity. Like God bless Dario Argento, you know. Like, mm-hmm. Like, but, like, his movies, like, have that thing where, like, the logic of it, like, barely, just barely holds together. But if you go along with it, it's, like, a great ride, you know? I guess, but, like, you know, I wouldn't call, like, Suspiria stupid, you know? 
Like that one inherently, because it's more like dreamlike, like yeah, intentionally. I mean, yeah, but it's still like odd, you know. Like, and I'm not even like saying those as negatives. Mm-hmm. I'm saying like I think those what make the films work. Yeah, it's that weird thing where like okay. this the remake, like focused so hard on like making everything make sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, which I actually like that remake. I I do too. But, I know, but it's yeah. like you know, it's it's not really Suspiria. <laughs> It's one of those movies where, like, I wish it had been called something else. Mm-hmm. And I think and then, it actually would have done better. Yeah, maybe. But that's that weird... What, didn't Amazon produce that? They bought the, like, the distribution rights or yeah, something? I forget. Amazon it's weird. famously, like, fucked up their, like, first few movies they tried to release in theaters. And it was like... Entirely, and that was one of them, huh? That's and right. And it was entirely okay. their fault, but then they just said, oh, no one goes to the movies anymore. And they gave up. So... Good thing they're buying MGM. Mm. Uh, did MGM produce this? That might explain some things. Oh. <laughs> no, it was Open Road Films and Universal. And then like four companies you've never heard of. Yeah, that sounds about right. Isn't David Ayer's company now called like Trigger Warning Entertainment? I think so. I think that's what Bright I'll never released. forget. Uh, I When I watched Bright, mm-hmm. like the, one of the first like production companies you see is Trigger Warning Entertainment or whatever. And... From then on out, I knew, like, oh, yeah. this is what we're doing. I know someone who saw that in theaters. And they Why? Said the whole... What? Why? I think they got invited. It's a weird story. Oh. They said that that logo came up and the whole audience groaned. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Hey, fairy lives don't matter today. That line and... Will Smith in Wawa West saying that slavery wasn't a big deal is, like, enough to put him in jail for the rest of his life. (laughs) No two actors have ever said worse lines. (laughs) With that much distance. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say, people have, like, back-to-back shit in this movie, so I don't know. Yeah, well, this one's just, like, I don't... There are some, like, horribly grotesque lines in this movie, and I wrote a lot of them down. <laughs> well, look, like, within, like, a minute of the opening snuff film footage, this DEA team is in the back of the truck ready to, like, do their heist thing and, well, and, I, and all this I fucking to, shit. I and have then, to talk uh, about, we've, we've, we've talked a lot about openings on this series, and this opening's a bit of a mess. We, it I, is, I just have but to then say. you have people asking, like, who the fuck dropped ass? Yeah, but no, no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about, like, the information we're given. Which it's impossible to pick up the information we're given because of the horrible dialogue. <laughs> but we get to opening snuff film footage, which right away is just going to make everyone in the theater just so disgusted. They're going to be like, should I leave? <laughs> and they're not going to be paying attention when then the, the screen goes black and it says 18 months later. And they're like, 18 months later from what? From the footage or from Arnold watching the footage? <laughs> so that right there doesn't make sense. And then not, we'll, we will talk about this opening heist. But then after the heist, we get like an interrogation scene, right? And then after the interrogation scene, we get six months later. <laughs> so it's like two. we did like a two-year jump in like five minutes. I should tell you, I think it's eight months later. But either way... It doesn't help. Yeah. It's, it's still, still these crazy time jumps. Yeah, it was eight months. You're right. I wrote, I don't know why I thought 18, but still, like, that's, like, a lot. Like, that's ridiculous. That, 
don't pile up your movie like that. And if we're talking about David Ayer, just based on, like, some of the footage you could see in this, I wonder if David Ayer, like, thought he was making, like, a like a beautiful movie. And his original cut was, like, three hours. Like, there's some weird choices in this where it's, like, they put too much effort into, like, a scene that is, like, a half a second flashback. And, like, that might have been a full scene. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe that was the original choice. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I don't know. But David Ayer's not happy with this version, right? No. No, he's not. Uh, you know what other movie this reminds me of? Mm-hmm. Michael Bay's Pain and Gain. And I'm not saying that because it's, like, a ridiculous, like, mm-hmm. schlocky masterpiece. I'm not... I'm actually not crazy about Pain and Gain. Same, yeah. But I, I think it's his attempt at doing, like, a Coen Brothers-style drama. Yeah. You know? And it's just, like, Michael Bay can't do that. And that's kind of what makes it interesting. And that's what makes Sabotage kind of interesting in that David Ayer's not trying to make an action picture. He's like, no, no, no. Th- these are, like... these are This is the real shit, bro. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I honestly... I don't know. I was gonna say, like, with Pain and Gain, it's one of those things where, like, what's frustrating about that movie for me is that, like, just a few changes, I think, would make that movie, like, really good. You know? Mm. Like, I think he's, like, so close to the mark that it's, like, almost, like, genuinely brilliant. As as opposed to, like, I see what he was going for and then never wanting to watch it again. <laughs> Whereas this, it feels like it was maybe taken away from him and edited, but the editing is what makes it accidentally brilliant. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of what happened to Suicide Squad. Yeah. Except that, there, I think there was no save in that one otherwise but whatever yeah he was kind of given like an impossible task yeah i mean this is that's the one time but don't worry like, to his credit he got an executive producer credit on birds of prey that's so awful i know we could have done, done birds of prey we could have done birds of prey for this series oh i know yeah. huh but we already did something for that yeah just link tack, to the commentary down below yeah just tack last boy scout and birds of prey onto the series like retroactively Oh, I totally will. Like also, are... apologies to anyone who hears ice clinking. It is like 100 degrees in Los Angeles. Yeah. So, that's what that is. Diego's dying, and I'm keeping him longer, because we're still on the first scene. I, I know. I know. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. You can talk about the, the great dialogue that's happening to establish uh, these well-rounded characters who are definitely individuals. <laughs> okay. So, back in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre duology retrospective. You had mentioned that the frat bros in the beginning of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 sort of looked like dudes who would cover up a gang rape. (laughs) (laughs) I feel the same flies here. Yeah, they would. They 100% would. I think they kind of say that at a certain point. (laughs) Later when the Olivia Williams character goes to to see them and whatever. Hey bros, the stripper's here. Hey, but it's, hey, it's okay because the one woman is saying it too. Oh yeah, yeah. That makes it okay. We'll, oh, we'll get to uh, uh, Muriel Enos. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Muriel? I don't know. The only thing I know her from is like Good Omens. Oh, is that good? Um, not really. Oh. Uh, I mean, it's fine. I mean, but it's like read the book. Like, right, well, I know she was in The Killing, which is like apparently crazy underappreciated. Yeah, I have not seen it. I keep people keep telling me to, but I have not seen yeah. it. Um, but I, I just want to say before we get into the rest of this glorious bullshit and literal shit, as we will come to see, um, Marielle Enos, if that's how you pronounce the name, I apologize. As Lizzie Murray, 
she steals this film, I think. I think she is so good. Like, we're talking about stuff that's accidentally good in this movie. Yeah. I think she's genuinely brilliant in this movie. I I I don't know. I was a little held back from being, like, caught up in her performance by just, like, how calculated her character was written. <laughs> mm. Where it's like a strong woman is a woman who shed has shed all her femininity, you know. No, no, no. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely not going to praise any of the writing of this film. Again, this is like an accidentally fascinating movie, but I think whatever wavelength she was on, I mm. think she's completely like magnetic. Like, I, guess. I I think she's the most interesting part of the film. She's in, she's definitely interesting, but I think it's just more in just like it. It's one of those things where it's like. Does this movie hate women? Or like, no, I'll say it does. I, I think it does. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird because like Olivia Williams' character to me is like on the opposite end of the spectrum of that, where it's like she's given a little bit that like you don't see with a character like hers, you know, mm. like that's like, you no, know, maybe it's just like confused about women, <laughs> like, but uh, but women are also the architects of like all evil in the world. Like, well, maybe that's why. Uh, I, I do we want to talk spoilers? I kind of don't because yeah, I, I really want people to watch this. Yeah, I mean, that could mean anything, but uh, we should say you were talking about like all the characters introduced, it's all dudes, just guys being dudes in the back of a fucking like I don't even know, they're like, like a SWAT van, I guess. <laughs> they're like talking about their balls and farting, you know how men are. But the one female character gets a different introduction. Oh, boy, does she. Which is, I think she's going to go blow the guy, is what's happening. No, no, he, they, they're going to go fuck. Yeah, and then I thought they were setting up that she was, like, getting ready to blow him. Like, I thought, like, we were starting there. Oh, okay, okay. That was, like, the vibe I was getting. I mean... And he was like, yeah! Like, you know. That doesn't go much better i guess but she's like basically like in her like she's like stripped down yeah she, she's quote-unquote undercover mm. and then uh, it's it's just like, get it she's naked yeah Almost. well she, she's like getting undressed and then the dude or she pulls out a condom and the dude's like no no i want to do it raw or whatever and it's like yeah. what the f- it's it is an oppressively ugly film yeah and that's not like that the- raw sex is inherently ugly it's just compared to like this is the first three minutes of the motion picture yeah and these characters are already more repugnant than the snuff film that the movie opened and opened with yeah <laughs> like it's like right off the bat is just where <laughs> we're at and yeah and then it turns out nope she's undercover like we're not totally sure at first but then arnold's like where's lizzie and like arnold's doing his best and uh <laughs> and then she goes from like almost blowing the guy to then she's like kickboxing the guy <laughs> and then he shoots him And someone told David Ayer that they did that, and they were lying to him. (laughs) (laughs) That one, I don't know. That one might be a a David Ayer imagination thing. This is the perfect woman. (laughs) (laughs) That's who he wants his wife to be. Uh, Is he married? I I don't know, but I'm scared (laughs) to find out. I gotta check. (laughs) Regardless of whether he is or isn't. I mean, it says he's married. Um, good, Good for him. I hope they're, uh doing well yeah yeah like i'm talking shit but like if he's like a genuinely like good guy behind the scenes or whatever he's definitely he's uh, he's a he's definitely blue lives matter 
Like, yeah, he just hasn't tweeted it because he, he listens to his fucking PR team. Yeah, yeah, there's someone, someone took the fucking phone away from him. It's kind but, of like, uh, I, I like him as an actor too, but like, you know, I think of like Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah, we're where like, it's like, we all kind of know something's up. Yeah. But he's also like, I love, I love hanging out. I love just being a dude with, with the boys. Yeah. Well, I, think the, I think the frustrating thing with Chris Pratt is that we, we saw him before this. Like, this is clearly, like, I got divorced from my wife and I felt guilty about it energy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Kind of. Like, that's, he could have been in this film. I, he he could have. He's in, like, uh, Zero Dark Thirty and shit, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Think what the saying is right. Osama Bin Laden. He's got that line. <laughs> <laughs> they go to Area 51 in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no one talks about how weird that one gets. but That movie it's... is... So strange, and I hate that I like it. Like, that's one of those ones where it's like, you know, we talk about guilty pleasures. Mm-hmm. Like, I 100% feel guilt about liking that movie. <laughs> I, I have mixed feelings, but when Catherine Bigelow is just on her fucking game, like, you yeah. just, you can't beat her. <laughs> Please you know? stop, Catherine. Like, whatever you can, just don't make another movie with the military or cops in it. Like, just don't. Like, she almost said Triple Frontier, and I think she could have made that one good. Yeah, she Not could've. that it was bad. But you know, yeah. it was fine. It was good, solid. It would have it would have elevated it, I guess we should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a. Uh, yeah, there's a big shootout in the house. Uh, they're there for the money. Oh yeah, and that's some guys where we get the first like real recurring theme of this movie, which this is just in the movie a movie that's an excuse to just watch tons of Mexican characters get just mowed down. Yeah, <laughs> like that's um, what this movie is. Mm-hmm. Which is Weird why trend with David Ayer. Yeah, is what hey, I'll say there. You know, and a little bit of a like, well, what are they supposed to do? These guys are animals. Like, there's a little bit of that here, mm-hmm. and I'm sure David Ayer's argument is like, I'm not talking about Mexicans, but I'm talking about the cartel. You know, and I'm sure that's his argument, right? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. And look, look, the cartels are are filled with some of the worst people on planet Earth. Yeah, that's that's just a fact. But so are, like, American police forces. Well, so. here's, here's the thing. Here's where I think this movie is not what it thinks it is. This main cast of characters are the worst people in the film. By, like, a mile. <laughs> <laughs> like, they are disgusting, repugnant, and deserve everything that happens to them. <laughs> and I think this movie thinks that it's not that, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where it gets weird. I mean, we keep saying it's weird, but like it, it really is just like odd. But I think if you can get like on its odd wavelength, like if you love trash, you know, and and you haven't seen Sabotage, if you love like exploitation films, I think you'll love Sabotage. Yeah, I'm not a huge exploitation guy. Uh. But I, again, I I, th- I think this is a masterpiece. So. Yeah, I I I I don't know. I honestly don't even know why I like it that much. Like it's like a hundred percent against like my moral code, you know. Like yeah, you know. I mean, it it goes back to that idea of like, you know, the entertainment that you enjoy doesn't mean you like endorse its ideals. Yeah. You know, like it's life's more complicated but, than just like I saw this movie whose politics I agree with or disagree with, and that means. I completely subscribe to those opinions and beliefs 100% infallibly. I'm just saying, 
Hamilton felt weirder to rewatch in a post-Trump era than Sabotage does. Which, I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I agree with that. (laughs) Um... I don't know, like, I think there's something about, like, just its unapologeticness that, like, it's not pretending to be a nuanced film. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I think it was trying to, but like but we mentioned, entirely who, who, it did. It failed entirely, and whoever took the film away from David Ayer is basically a hero. Yeah, because <laughs> now it's I I love it, <laughs> but I, I want to talk about There's the, a toilet. the raid on the house. There's a toilet that is just caked in shit. Yeah, it, so I have described this as like, oh, if you love like your fucking trash, grab like a six pack of beers, some nachos, mm-hmm. a pizza. Never mind all that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't actually consume anything physically while you're watching this movie. Yeah, that was the problem. In rewatching it, I'm like, I don't know if I would actually recommend this to people. <laughs> like... Yeah, right? Like, we're here talking about it on this podcast, and it's like, you know, if you're out there listening, like, should I watch it? Again, if you like exploitation movies, maybe. Um, But I don't know. All I know is that it was supposed to be a big hit, and it wasn't. That's and so it's easy to see why this would be a big hit. Is what's crazy, like, although how well does Sicario do? Yeah, it did good enough to do a sequel. Yeah, like Sicario was like a surprise hit. Like, yeah, that's like I'll, a I'll say this because I, I like Denis Villeneuve. Uh, everything that's aged poorly about Sicario for me is is completely on the writing. Mm-hmm. That that movie has like incredible moments that are really well directed, and it's just. It's it's white it's white boy playing cowboy. Yeah, who wrote it? Um, yeah, this one kind of is too, obviously. But fuck, it it is like uncompromisingly stupid. Yeah, and that kind of makes it great. And just like I don't know, it's why is there a toilet just caked in shit? Well, this movie's trying to be as gross as possible. Yeah, but why? Because that's it... real, man. <laughs> I guess. I, I, know. I, I mean, it's just like, like we're talking about like David Ayer, like wanted this to be like a movie about like the hell that these guys go through. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's just a toilet caked in shit. What makes it so much worse is that when you find out, okay, they get the money. All right. This is, this is uh, how we're going to like evacuate the money and we'll go back for it later. After uh, pumping it through the sewer line here. So they have to lift up the, the shit cake toilet. And as they lift it up, you don't really see it, but you do hear like you do the, hear. You the do splatters hear shit, as the it goes across the floor. It's so disgusting. It's it's so awful. <laughs> <laughs> that That is genuinely uncomfortable to watch. And there are some gruesome murders in this film. That might be the most difficult scene in the movie to watch. Yeah, just the toilet pretty, stuff. Yeah, that's it's that's pretty uh pretty disgusting. Yeah. And uh, I mean oh, maybe are... maybe it was David Ayer's way of being like, turn back now. Like <laughs> if you if this is what the movie's gonna be. How often dies? How often you see a toilet full of shit, man? Bro, you never see that shit in movies, man. Dude. <laughs> I hate I hate him, but I love this. Uh, oh, one of the federal agents dies, but we don't even learn their name. His name's Smoke, because they say it. 
But oh, do more, they? More importantly, uh, we never see his face. Like we don't yeah, get. Yeah, he a, just dies. Yeah, it's like Smoke's dead. We lost Smoke. We lost a man back there, and it's like we don't have a face. We don't have a family. Like there's not even a shot where it's like, oh, here's Smoke, like his file photo. Like we don't even get that. <laughs> yeah, he, he's not important to the movie after he dies. Yeah, it's like, but it's supposed to be like this tore the team apart. Like, it's like, no. Like, no one gives a shit. Yeah. And, yeah. um, Yeah, Smoke dies, and then they, uh... What the fuck happens? They they Uh, steal $10 million. Um, And then they blow up the the basement of the house where the money was was stashed next to the shit toilet. And to cover the tracks... They go to find the money later, and it's vanished. It's gone. Yeah. No one knows what happened. But now they're being investigated by internal affairs. Yep. Because that always happens in serious cop dramas. Because it's the system, man. Yeah. See, like, yeah. here's here's the thing. Are Whose side are we supposed to be on? <laughs> Okay, back to the David Ayer interviews. He says, you know, the movie's kind of uh, about the Olivia Williams character. And it's about her journey in navigating these waters. Which is not true. I mean, I I will say, I do think the movie thinks that. (laughs) Like, because, like, she gets, like, the big dramatic moment at the end of the movie. And we're supposed... We'll go back to that. (laughs) We're supposed to be like... We're supposed to be like her in that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we're more like, what? But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, but again, that doesn't really answer my question. <laughs> I don't know. Cause Terrence everyone. Howard? No, definitely not. <laughs> no, I know. Um, but like everyone is portrayed like assholes in this, right? Mm-hmm. So is it just like everyone's an asshole? So fuck the world. I've read takes where it's like, oh, it's like an. It's an accidentally like a cab film. All cops are bastards, and they're they're no better than the criminals they're hunting. But even that feels like a stretch, and if anything, an accident at most. I do think I will. I I agree with that, but only that it's an accident because mm-hmm. the movie definitely tries to be like, aha, you know, like it tries to not be that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, like maybe it thinks it's trying to be like the drug war dehumanizes all of us. I don't know. I, I'm going to need white people to stop making that movie because, quite yeah. frankly, it, it's not working. Soderbergh couldn't even do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Traffic Blows. I, like, I wouldn't say blows. It but... looks very good, but it's a bad movie. Which is listen, like what I could say listen. about half of Soderbergh's films. Listen. 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 Soderbergh just needs to to do his fun little movies like uh let never... them all talk which was fantastic and the oceans it. trilogy which was fantastic yeah those have aged very well they have we're just gonna leave it there yeah. um, but the the movie does attempt to do something more serious with like the investigation stuff and it's kind of the least interesting aspect of the film because it takes itself a little seriously yeah and, but not over-the-top serious like everything else in the movie. Well, it's, it's yeah. very clear that maybe the investigation was supposed to be a little more complex. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like, cut this shit down to where we have the bare bones. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, he, was, he catch up with them once in a while. There's a very uh, pointed moment in this where a bullet was left at the uh, the the point because the money was gone, and mm-hmm. there's a bullet left there. Does that lead anywhere? I think it's just supposed to scare them. You know, we'll we'll, we'll get to like the revelations in the back half. So if I, you don't want if you don't want any spoilers for the great film Sabotage, directed by <laughs> David Ayer, just go watch it and come back. Or listen to us talk about it anyways. Cause I, I will think that that's maybe what will like help the grotesqueness of it. It's just like you you will watch this movie the first time being like, where the fuck is this going? <laughs> and then like you will have guessed the ending at some point because it's not that complicated. But you're like, there's no way this movie is that simple. Like with what it's doing and then it ends up being that simple. <laughs> yeah. I'll say, because I, I, I went through the same like motion when I first saw it too. And I didn't like it that much when I first saw it. I was like, mm-hmm. this is... <laughs> you know, but it did catch me off guard by the end. And I was like, oh, okay. That, huh? Huh? All right. I guess so. But yes, there, I think that is purposeful, a purposeful misdirection, but it makes sense when you see the character choices that made that happen, which is an odd thing to say about this film. Yes, it is an um, odd thing to say. <laughs> The film slows down the most after this little section because once the characters start getting like picked off, uh-huh. I, I think it's like flawless. <laughs> in a yeah, way. it's it's so strange because like it is that thing of like, where is this movie going for a little bit? Like it definitely runs into that problem mm-hmm. of like what the fuck is this? I gotta say though, one of the guys in the inter- one of the interrogators, um, I do not know the actor's name sadly, uh, but he was in JFK, and I just have to point that out. Um, he was one of Kevin Costner's guys on, like, the defense team or whatever the fuck, the prosecutor's team. It was a good movie. Uh, but, uh... Is it, uh, um, Olivia Williams' partner? No, no, I said oh, the interrogators. Oh, fuck, I'm sorry. Um, um, they, uh, the, he was the skinny guy. Mm. The one Arnold doesn't call fat at one point. Oh, yeah, that delightful scene. That scene is honestly hysterical. Because it's Arnold being like, who the fuck are you? (laughs) Well, because, like, Arnold is, like, he's trying to give, like, a very good, serious performance. And I do think he has stuff in him, like we talked about, for that stuff. Uh, This film, it just, it comes across as, like, accidentally comical. And that's why it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, it's hit and miss, like, when it's, like, working. Mm -hmm. But it's also a movie that takes itself so seriously that you can't take it seriously. Like, yeah, it really you know, is, like, it, it feels like little boy trying hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, this is, like, I'm pretty sure, like, the first thing I wrote in, like, eighth grade where I was, like, I'm going to write, like, a serious story. It was just, like, I tried to just put, like, shocking things in it. Like, yeah. that's what I thought was oh, serious. Oh, that's perfect. Like. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's how I thought stories worked. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I was in eighth grade. And, and maybe you too could have gotten $35 million to make a film like Sabotage. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll never make another American movie like this, I don't think. At least until, like, the industry collapses. Netflix um, will, is probably has probably already made, like, three and we just don't know about it. Like, a, I would buried. love to make a movie like this. I would, I would never work again. Yeah. I would need to shower for, like, a month straight after. But I think it would be a blast. <laughs> it's so awful. A better version of this movie is the one that understands this is about how cops like just betray each other and kill each other. 
Like, mm. you know, like the more like overtly a cab version of this. Yeah. Um, do we want to give a rundown of like the whole crew? Because that's yeah, what. Fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. Because the yeah. interrogation, like, they put all their names on the screen. And that's when we first learn everyone's name, except for like Breacher and Lizzie, because they're the only ones that have the names yeah. said most most frequently. And I guess Smoke, which you heard and I didn't. <laughs> yeah, Smoke, <laughs> who, who died before the scene, so we don't even get him. Um, we get Sugar, played by Terrence Howard. Everyone's favorite. Yeah, the guy no one has any uh, problems with. Yeah. Next uh, time, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good <laughs> career choice. Yeah, that was great. Um, Pyro, played by uh, Max Martini. Yeah. Um, who's in Saving Private Ryan? He is like, he's he's that guy. He's yeah, one of those guys. He is and 100%. He, he's solid. One of those. He was in uh, fucking Pacific Rim. Yeah. Um, he's an interesting, interesting actor that pops up in things. Um... Tripod, played by not Joe Rogan. That guy looked a hundred percent like Joe Rogan. I know, I know. I honestly feel like because I think Joe Rogan's in Bright. Is he? I, oh yeah, he's talking to like one of the orcs or something. Yeah, on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. So it's like this is a completely alternate universe, but somehow still horrible enough that the Joe Rogan podcast exists. <laughs> and you know Joe Rogan's on there talking crazy shit about orcs. <laughs> like and then he had that one orc cop on to like deflect, but, <laughs> you, but you fucking know it, man. Uh, J- Jamie, can you pull up the 2014 film Sabotage? <laughs> <laughs> you ever tried DMT, man? <laughs> you mean people could be listening to this conversation right now? <laughs> it's my favorite on your head. Uh, let's see who else we got. Because um, I don't remember the order in the movie, and I didn't write it down. That I wrote. Way, but... I wrote the order. I think. Okay. We got neck. Played by uh, Josh Holloway. Who should have had a bigger career after Lost. Um, yeah, I didn't watch Lost. Um, so well, he, He's a great actor who just never got that Is shot. Is the him. other guy from Lost too? Uh, not on the team, but but Harold Perrineau. Yeah. Uh, the investigator, Darius Jackson. And yeah, he, was, yeah uh, he... he was Link in uh, The Matrix. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he was in Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yeah, my favorite uh, adaptation of that. Yeah. Baz Luhrmann, man. Hell, yeah. They showed I'm that a Baz to us. Luhrmann truther. They showed that to us in, uh, what, is, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I just, I like his films, oh, except okay. for Australia. No one likes Australia. I have not seen Australia. It doesn't work, but. Um, hey, I own it now. <laughs> so I Good have, for you, I guess. I guess I have to watch it. Oh, yeah. Um, I inherited a bunch of DVDs. Uh. Yeah, um, and then uh, who's left? Oh, there's a grinder played by Joe Manganiello. Manganiello. I was gonna let you pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah, I was like, fuck. I 100. percent um, This is my other favorite character in the film. Oddly enough, talk about a guy with a weird career. Yeah, I wouldn't want to fight me neither. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm a huge Joe. Joe fan. (laughs) I think he's a really talented actor. And I think like, uh, like Josh Holloway, he hasn't found like that thing yet. That could like, it was supposed to establish name. It was supposed to be uh, Deathstroke. Oh yeah. Which, uh, yeah, don't do that. But 
Shame. Um, but he's he looked a, cool, but not, that's not hard. I think he's most known for like the Magic Mike films. Oh yeah, Big Dick Richie. And uh, <laughs> which are perfect films, by the way. And not even joking. S- speaking of perfect films, he's also uh, the co-lead in uh, Pee Wee's Big Holiday. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a good movie. It is. It's solid. It's like one of those movies that has no right to exist or be as okay as it is. Like, <laughs> But, yeah, put this he, he pops up in, like, weird shit. Yeah. Oh, um, but his big, like, breakout role originally that also led to nowhere was uh-huh. in True Blood, which if you watch True Blood to the end like me, you know, you, you, you see why it didn't time. pan out for everyone. <laughs> yeah, don't. I, I don't know. Um, that, but, that was a show that existed. Look, for trash, you, you're not getting better than that first three seasons. Mm-hmm. Everyone is killing each other or having sex with each other, and it's kind of great when you're, like, discovering HBO for the first time. Sure. After that, or you, you don't need it. you could have watched something good. I mean, I also watched The Wire, you know? Yeah, there's other good things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, Joe, I, I, I'm a fan. Uh, oh, and then again, Muriel Enos, who is a a crazy person in this. She's Lizzie. She doesn't get a nickname. She's just Lizzie. Yeah, no, she's just Lizzie. Because she's the girl. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of, a lot of that. Like, oh, well, you know. But then turning in what I think he thought was his Oscar performance (laughs) is... Sam Worthington as Monster. Yep. Huh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a long way down from Avatar. I think he is a solid actor who unfortunately was typecast as the next guy in Hollywood. Yeah. And that made everyone hate him. You know what I mean? He hit every branch on the way down. Yeah. Like bad, bad uh, choices. <laughs> yeah, and that's too bad because I like again. I'm not. I'm not gonna like go to the mat for him, mm-hmm. but he's you know he's a reliable actor, and that's fine. You know, uh-huh. that's all. I don't like. I don't think it's particularly bad or good. Just like yeah, look at the job done. <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, under his personal life on Wikipedia, has a section called legal issues. Oh, that's a great sign. Um, I guess he he hit a paparazzi. Oh. Uh, I shouldn't comment about how I feel about that, but yeah, yeah, you know, um, mm. I guess uh, it was settled out of court, but it was. It, it, I saw like three paragraphs and got real worried, but it's all about punching a paparazzi. Oh, okay. Well, so, I mean, Kanye so. did that too. Yeah, Kanye's done a few things. Yep, he sure has. <laughs> I'm sure we. <laughs> I'm sure we haven't heard all of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's our. That's our team. And uh, I think Sam Worthington maybe thought this was going to be, like, his bounce back. Maybe. What what else has he done since then? Because he's well, done, uh, like, smaller things, obviously. Well, yeah, because this was a fucking flop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, oh, wait, like, no, he's been working, like, steadily, just yeah, like... He has, but it's nothing you wa- have watched. And nothing you would watch. Oh, well, you know what? He starred in a... Fractured, which I ha- I haven't seen. I heard it's not very good, but it's from a director I really like called Brad Anderson. Have you mm-hmm. have you seen his uh like his first film, Session saw, Nine? Yeah, I saw Session Nine and liked it. Yeah, I really like Session Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So hey, there you but go. I'm just you saying, work with a. I'm just saying he goes from like Avatar, and then like the very next year he had Clash of the Titans. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which like say what you will, but that's like a big release film. Mm-hmm. And then like, what else does he have? You know, like. Man on a ledge. I remember ads for that. I, did I do see. too. Um, that was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Well, then he did Wrath of the Titans. Mm-hmm. You know who maybe like stole his thunder? And I'm not trying to say like they have the same energy at all, but they definitely have like a very similar look. Uh, Tom Hardy. I could see that because like, all white people look similar. Yeah. Yeah, but I was thinking like. Uh, I was there was a movie where I was like, didn't didn't he do the drop? I was like, didn't Sam Worthington do the drop? And I'm like, no, no, that was Tom Hardy. And like I, I did that again, then I was like, oh, it's Tom Hardy again. <laughs> like I did it for yeah. like two movies. And yeah, you know, Tom Hardy, I think, is like what Sam Worthington maybe wanted to be. Yeah, I mean, well, look, Tom Hardy is just like on another planet of acting. But also, Sam Worthington's like basically unrecognizable in this movie. Mm-hmm. Now the only thing you're going to recognize Sam Worthington as is Jake Sully, if if that. Well, he's blue. He's going to be blue in them from now on. Yeah. Spoilers for the biggest film of all time. Yeah. I guess. I mean, they got. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you do. You know, there isn't even a uh, a Wikipedia page for the character Jake Sully, which normally there is for like a franchise film that big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there is. You know what there is a Wikipedia for? Mm-hmm. David Ayer has a fandom page. Oh, no. Well, you know, the fandom.com? It's like where they have all the the fan wikis now. Well, yeah, yeah, but the there's, a, yeah. there's a David Ayer, like, just one about all his films? Yeah, or yeah. Is he, or is he, like, on the DC one and they're like, we want him back? No, no, no. It's, uh, it's actually, it's not complete, but there is a page for Sabotage. So I'm, I'm going to... Just read it out a little bit right now. And this is a fan they, wiki, so, like, take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. Well, you know, they spelled characters here as O'Hara-hers. Instead <laughs> of the C's, they replaced them with the O's. What? So it's O'Hara-hers. What the fuck is that about? I don't know. There's no C's on this page. It's Rio-ring, O'Ru-members, On-Sorin. I don't know what the fuck is up with this page. So, David Ayer has a page. It's just not complete. And it, but it, Sab- they put about as much effort as he puts into his films. I guess. Uh, Sabotage has a, has a full page with the plot synopsis from Wikipedia um, and some highlights from the critical reception mm. that notes it received negative reviews from heretics. And, uh, oh, this is, I didn't know this. This is Arnold's lowest grossing opener in 30 years. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, this is probably, like, what puts the nail in his coffin is, like, him being back, you know? Which is a real... Which is a shame. Mm-hmm. Because, uh... I mean, he's still Arnold for what he is. Mm-hmm. I um, mean, now it's like he's so old, it's like he kind of has to just do, like, old man movies now. Yeah. And... But... I don't know. It's 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 a little sad. Uh, but I also am not like saying that this movie should have done better. This probably did about as well as it could do. Um, but yeah, after we after we go through the lineup of, of uh, our motley crew, I guess we'll call them. <laughs> it, it does slow down a little bit with the investigation, and then something happens. We get like so like shit of like 
they go back to training, but they're all fucked up. We find out, like, Lizzie has a drug problem. Maybe. It's weird. Um, they're, like, rusty. Arnold does, like, a thing where he's, like, he's, like, you guys don't trust each other. And so he, he makes him do the exercise, but then he's going to be in the building, so they have to shoot all the targets, but not him. <laughs> and he's just smoking a cigar. Um, which is a lot of cigar Ar- smoking in this movie. Yeah, which is something Arnold just does in real life. <laughs> Um, so maybe that's why it was worked into the film. <laughs> um, I should mention, this movie. they have, like, a weird headquarters where, like, they're all just going crazy, like, playing video games. And there's a lot of, like, emasculation going on and mocking each other's dicks. And, uh, they have a poster on the background that's, uh, that is Ronald Reagan as Rambo. <laughs> You know, that makes a lot of sense. So I just wanted to point that out. However, <laughs> <laughs> put that up there in, from the production team. Thank you for your service. Yeah. Once they're reinstated after all that, too, they, they go to a bar. They get all hammered together and all that shit. And then the character Pyro goes back to his motorhome, wakes up in the middle of the night <laughs> with his motorhome in the middle of the train tracks. And he can't get out in time. And so the train hits him and he's killed inside his motorhome on the train track. <laughs> this is probably the most convoluted way to kill a guy. Yeah, they, I mean, why didn't they, I don't know. Uh, well, because the, the, they, the, they're gruesome murders, because it's clearly done by someone with a vendetta against them. That's the only explanation. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking... So like sure, suddenly, I, so I now don't the movie... Know that tracks by the now, end of this. Now the movie's like turning into seven... Like, <laughs> it was like we just get like a bunch of grisly murders. <laughs> um, yeah, Olivia uh, Williams enters the film as like the investigator. Uh, there's a lot of like the dialogue, dude. It's just like <laughs> if this is how David Ayer talks in his real life, it must be exhausting to be around him. I know, I know. Um, like, I also just want to mention that. Obviously, Pyro exits the picture from that, from his death, but it's also, they, they do a, One thing we have to a talk job about, of, like, drawing attention to his remains. <laughs> we gotta say something about David Ayer, though, which is that, like, he has gotten, like, some of the most committed film crews ever. Like, the actors that work on his movies, like, go insane for the movies <laughs> they're making. Like, everyone on Suicide Squad was, like, out of their minds. Like... <laughs> They were, like, tattooing each other. <laughs> like, now fucking What's-Her-Name has, like, a misspelled tattoo on her on her body. Well, remember Jai Courtney was running around the set naked while they were preparing to shoot? Like, for, like he was he was messing with people. I don't think he was, like, harassing anyone. Just, like... Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but it it's weird. There's a photo of him just, like... You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Like, Shia LaBeouf on the fucking Tank movie, like, pulled one of his own teeth out. Oh, and for the last film he did with David Ayer, the one that no one remembers now, uh, uh-huh. thankfully. But he tattooed his entire upper chest to get into the role. Like, so, why? I, I don't know. Like, what are what are these people thinking? I don't know. For what, for what, what is David Ayer talking these people into? I don't know. Is he like fucking the, the like they think he's pecking paw or something? <laughs> like <laughs> And even then <laughs> I wouldn't tattoo my whole chest yeah. for Peckinpah. Well yeah, because Peckinpah was like on cocaine, like Yeah. 
Sam Peckinpah could rise from the grave and be like, Diego, I want you to be an actor and to be in the Wild Bunch too. And I'd be like, no, thank you. Yeah. And then he pulls a gun on you. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, I'll think about it. <laughs> and then just you change identities. Yeah. Get away from undead Sam Peckinpah. <laughs> That's the only way. You know, this is kind of like, the Wild Bunch is not as grotesque as this, but it's very like aggressive and kind yeah. of vile. Yeah. Maybe maybe he was trying to do that. I think the Wild Bunch at least gets to like the ultimate sadness at like the heart of its characters, you know? Yeah, well there's that whole aspect where it's like, yeah, these people are like horrible monsters, but like this kind of what they needed to be to survive in the world and yeah. even if they enjoyed it too much, it's like they had like nothing else and it we- recognizes that 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 deep sadness. And here it's just like they're fucking awesome. Yeah, we get like glimpses of that. Like I, they say, like one of them was like a criminal that like turned good or something like that. Yeah, because but... everyone knows it, once you go from a criminal to a cop, then everything's okay. Yeah, but they all just feel like those dudes you knew in high school who were just like two in the guns, <laughs> you know. And they all looked like a strong wind could like knock them over. <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. And it's, it's, they don't, they're not, like, cool. And they're not, like, compellingly tragic. Like, there's no part of me that's, like, they're clearly hiding something, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they're just kind of assholes. And they, they just, they feel, they act like assholes and they feel like assholes. And then, like, they die like assholes. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess we could just kind of run down through the deaths then, because there's some... Really there's, fucked up one. I should mention there's like a moment of transphobia in this movie that gets just thrown out there very quickly. Um, I must have erased that from my mind, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's the guy who dies next. Like they make a joke about him. He's like, he doesn't like cops because he he got caught having sex with a, a trans sex worker. Ha! <laughs> they don't say it like that. They mm. did not use any of the polite language I just used. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> It's like, ah, uh, who, who would ever debase themselves by having sex with a man? <laughs> David Ayer, everyone. Goddamn. Let me see some of these lines I wrote down real quick. Um, oh, I, I fucking missed earlier, like, maybe the most disgusting line in this film. Because um, Arnold's crew is being investigated because everyone's like, we know you stole the money, but, like, they can't really prove it, right? Mm-hmm. And Arnold's crew ultimately doesn't have the money because of everything that's gone down, like, because someone stole it. So the superiors meet with him. Arnold thinks he's getting fired, but the guy's like, no, we're closing the investigation because even though we all know you did it, we can't prove it. And uh, the, the head guy says, uh, the only thing anyone in law enforcement has is their credibility. It's like virginity. <laughs> Once it's gone, it's gone forever. And then Arnold's like, wow. when'd you... <laughs> and then Arnold's like, when'd you lose yours? So what it's uh, saying is the, that uh, cops are a bunch of sluts. Well, that are... Look, for me personally, I don't think anything in the film tops... We had to go and finger the devil's pussy. Yeah, but that's not, like, offensive. That's just, No, like, it's disgusting. not, but it's just, like, what? 
This is where a, did that a, come from? This is one of the most revealing lines I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> Not of the movie itself, just of like the people making it. <laughs> it reveals like anything you need to know about how they view women and like the government. Like, <laughs> there's yeah. Yeah. That's, that's disgusting. <laughs> it's not great. And also there's like a whole thing before that where the guys are like pissing in jars. Remember those two guys? Oh, like what the to, fuck? No. They, they have to follow Arnold all day. And like, oh, like, yeah, yeah. I got to piss. And the guy's like, well, just piss in this. And he's got like a whole fucking thing full of piss. Yeah. What, like, what the fuck? Like, what is this movie's like? Again, it feels like it was written by a child. Like that's obsessed with like bodily fluids. It's like Kevin Smith. Like, I don't just... know. I f- I'm glad Kevin Smith doesn't do anything like this. Yeah, but like, it's like if Kevin Smith was like evil. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Kevin Smith's just a dopey guy, but this would be like if he was genuinely evil. I don't know, because like, you know, at the very least, if like the other federal agents were like evil in their own way, mm-hmm. like he didn't have them pissing in jars like that too, it'd be like, look, if. If it was, like, a truly A-cab film, it'd be like, look, everyone has, like, variety to their evil. They're all evil in their own way, and that's yeah. bad. But here, it's just, like, they're all grotesque and disgusting. And, he, like, occasionally they'll be like, you know what the problem is? The bureaucracy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always, like, those people who are like, cops have it hard, so stop giving them oversight. Like... Like, have you seen that, that TikTok of that, that one police officer who's like, I'm tired of being told that we're all bad. We're not all bad. Some of us are good. Mm. And it's like, but you still said some. That's, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, like, deep down, you do know. <laughs> that is hysterical. <laughs> like, even he couldn't say yeah. the majority of us are good. Like. For a fucking TikTok video, like no one was gonna follow up on his comment. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Also, that guy I, like, should have been in this movie. Here's the thing: I just don't like fully understand. Like, they're like a DEA like special ops team, right? Mm-hmm. But like, are they like mercenaries that were like contracted by the DEA? No, 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 or you're are they... a predator. Yeah, but, like, that's the thing. It's like, but I don't understand, like, where they fit in the hierarchy of everything. But what I do know is that none of these people should be cops. <laughs> <laughs> like, no matter how you slice it. And it's like, man, they got a hard job, and it's like, fuck yeah, they do. They shouldn't be cops then. Because <laughs> <laughs> these guys do not hold up under pressure. No. They went drinking one night at a strip club and picked a fight. Like, because like, you don't understand these are broken men and it feels like and it's like it mostly feels like they're doing this to themselves like <laughs> it doesn't feel like the job is doing this so much which kind of is what makes it such an interesting movie in my opinion <laughs> but again again all accidental yeah I don't trust anyone who worked on this film behind the scenes to ever do something this entertaining ever again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one in a million shot, and you hit it. And it was his, it's his biggest flop, right? Like, except for the new Shia LaBeouf one. Yeah, and I mean, look, in all seriousness, I... COVID probably fucked that up too, yeah, yeah. in general, so. <laughs> yeah, to be fair to David Ayer. Yeah, the one <laughs> time. I think I gave him two today, so. 
Hey, we're, we're 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 saying this is an okay movie. That's more than he deserves. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a great film. <laughs> yeah, like I just don't know. Like that's the thing where it's like this is one of those ones where like I just don't know where I'd put it on the on a scale, you know? Oh yeah, no, no. Like, I, it's a one star or a five star. You know what? To go to another Arnold movie, kind of like True Lies. In this, I mean, True Lies is like directed. Yeah. It's one of the best directed films you'll ever watch, but it is also like repugnant and obnoxious, yeah. and like True Lies is like we like we gotta start. We gotta we gotta have a talk about James Cameron. Like, oh no, totally. There's <laughs> there's some dialogue in that movie too, but however, people don't tend to talk about it that way unless you're like in the film Twitter circles for some yeah. reason. Because everyone just remembers that as like a really fun, entertaining movie. There's a yeah. lot of nostalgia about that movie. Well, that movie's loved by divorced dads. I wonder why. Oh, yeah. And, like, I mean, to quote the... uh, my pal Josh Lewis's letterbox review of it, <laughs> it's very clearly written by a dude who's been divorced like four times. Yeah. Because well, you can get past that. That's the know? fun thing about uh, – about Cameron is that you can always tell when he's going through a divorce. Like, when you're watching his movies, you can tell when he's just been remarried and when he's going through a divorce. Yeah, like, he, he's been married for a while now, right? I think so, but he, but you still have, like... I think Maybe he the had, Avatar like, sequels won't be that good, then. I think he had one or two more marriages after fucking True Lies. <laughs> like, yeah, I know, but I need him, you know... Come on, dude. You're making four more Avatars. Let's go. Hey, those might That's... be the thing that, break, that breaks him. You know? <laughs> That'll we'll make see. him really good. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm but so tr- sorry. That's a yeah, terrible joke. True Lies is, uh, yeah, that's a weird movie of just like we're male. quoting some shit from Sabotage, and there's one line that is so morally awful in True Lies that I wouldn't dare quote it on air. I don't, but what, I, I will don't say know. it's the Bill Paxton line when he's explaining who he's seeing to Arnold when they're driving around. I oh, cannot yeah. believe more people don't talk about how terrible and disgusting that line of dialogue is. When he's describing, uh, like, what they look like? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah a, that's there, like, whoa. There's where a, the there's fuck like, did that come from? There's, like, a very specific one. <laughs> like, and look, you'll know it when you hear it. <laughs> and uh, to be fair, wow. Arnold reacts to that, kind of. Like that's that's the one that's like all right that went over the edge for him, mm-hmm. but uh, I think we're supposed to think that character is repugnant. To be fair, it's yeah, yeah, but like, whoa! <laughs> I'm surprised Tom Arnold isn't the one saying like the worst thing in the movie. I was just saying like, what kind of what sick, a picture? What kind of sick bitch takes the ice cube trays out of the freezer? Oh, Tom Arnold! You know why they canceled the sequel, right? Because Tom Arnold? <laughs> no, because of 9-11. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Got it in there. That's another one of those movies where it's like, even James Cameron, who's like kind of like the liberal like action director, and it's like, even he hates Muslims, and it's like, oh no. like Look, he's not perfect. Too bad True Lies was a hit, or else we could do it. Arnold has like no one-liners in this, which is actually kind of refreshing. Oh, because remember, they, they wanted to play it like as a serious dramatic role. Yeah, Sure. <laughs> I'm th- that's definitely what they tried. And it makes for an interesting performance, but it, you know, it's not like... Fingered the devil's pussy. Well, that's Joe Manginello. Okay, so I mentioned that he's also one of my favorite characters in the movie. And I think there's this interesting, like, dynamic with him and the team because none of these people have a moral compass. But he's the one who's like, 
we shouldn't have done this. Yeah. And it provides, like, this this really interesting conflict in the middle of this, like, grisly, disgusting affair. And I believe he's the character where they're like, he used to be a criminal or something. Yeah, I, so, I think so. And the fact that he's the one saying that then makes it even more interesting, you he's know? He's also the one that's, like, slightly dialed down. Like... He's like he definitely like gets up to some shit, but like he's like we just we have the devil's pussy line, but yeah. uh, he's like there's like the scene in it where they're all kind of like in the clubhouse together, and then they're like your tattoo looks like a dick, ah! and it goes on forever, and uh, he's kind of the one who's like not yelling. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just because he's a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> um, god damn, this is a fucked up movie. It's incredibly fucked up. Uh, we kind of skipped over some of the deaths, but... Who gets neck, killed next? Um, uh, Josh Holloway. Josh neck. Holloway. Uh, they, yeah, they go to him for, like, a follow-up question. Because he uh, was deflecting, because he kept calling uh, Olivia Williams a stripper. That's actually... You know what? That's that, that's a scene where it's like... I don't know if it's smart. Like, <laughs> where they keep trying to force her to drink, right? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, lady, drink. Show us what you got. Ah, you know? And, like, you think it's going to be one of the things where, like, she's going to, like, down the beer, like, in one go, you know? Mm-hmm. To be like, oh, she can handle it with the boys. But instead, she takes the beer, shakes it up, and sprays it on him. <laughs> and, like, that's somewhat, like, a more intelligent way to handle that scene. Where it's like, she never backed down, you know? Like, she's, like, the first person they've really come in, like, face-to-face with who, like, won't back down. And that's, like, kind of interesting. Yeah. There's these interesting flourishes of, like, character stuff in this weird fucking movie. (laughs) And I will say how weird it is that to see an actress who I believe at the time was in her mid-40s and is, like, the romantic interest of the film. She's the romantic interest, and we're supposed to take her, like, um, you know, like, basically, like, a co-lead of the film almost. Yeah. And, you know, Olivia Williams, great actress, and uh, I, I, I think she does a great job here, too. I think the problem is that, like, Arnold was, like, in his 60s when this came out. Yeah. So, I think it was one of those things where, like, the, like, the sleazier option would have just been, like, an actress in her 30s, you know? Mm -hmm. So, somewhere someone was like, nah, it's gotta be older, and they went 40s, and they're like, fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a senior citizen for women, right? Yeah, Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, that's Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, that that does suck. Like, Mm -hmm. ideally, it would have at least been, like, an older actress, like in a perfect world, you know, but Olivia Williams is, is definitely not the problem. I think, she's a her. British she's... actress, right? Yeah. Like she's, she, and she's doing like a Southern accent that kind of comes and goes. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing her best. Um, and I think she's good. I think she's solid, which is like a weirdly written character. Mm-hmm. Like all the women are written, written weird in this movie. And I, think... I feel like it's one of those things where, they wrote them as men, and then they were like, oh, we gotta, like, we gotta See, we gotta I'm not, it up. I'm not sexist, I just changed it to a woman. Yeah. You know, that's how, like, people think. It's that, it's that weird, like, how do we empower women, and it's like, make them like men. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not how that works. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I was saying, the, the Lizzie Murray character was, like, my favorite character in the film, because she's just, like, she might be the worst of the bunch, almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, like, that is a very, like, cheap, like, male writer thing to do to change, like, the sex of the character and be like, ah, oh, see, there you go. But here, I think it kind of provides, like, this other dichotomy where she has to, like, to fit in with the boys, so to speak. 
she has to become even worse than them. Yeah. And that's how she feels she needs to survive. I guess. I, maybe that's the way the actress is playing it. I'm not sure if that's how it's written. No, no, no. Yes. The the actress. The actress. Yeah. And I don't know. That might be the most interesting character thing in a David Ayer film, like, <laughs> by a lot. And so, I don't know. That That's why. Just shout out to, to Marielle Enos, because yeah. I think she's just so good in this. This movie did her no favors. None whatsoever. Yeah. Neck is violently murdered. He's, like, stapled to the ceiling. Yeah, and then his, like, intestines are hanging out and shit. It's it's pretty vile. And Olivia Williams' reaction to it, like, because she slips in the blood, is like, help me up, pussy. Like, it's, like, really weird. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I think she's supposed to be shocked, but, like, she doesn't play it too shocked. Yeah. Like, which, like, I, I, I don't care how long you're on law enforcement, slipping in, like, someone's intestines is probably going to shake you up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that's how deep in the shit these people are. Again, that's the problem where it's like the the homicide detectives are written the same way as the DEA agents. Yeah. So, so it's like, is everyone just fucked up? Like, and that's when they that's when they start they start going. It must be the cartel doing this. The cartel mm. knows we stole the money. We don't know where the money went, but they're probably pissed about the stolen money. So they're they're picking us off one by one. And then next they go to visit uh. Joe Rogan. Not Joe Rogan. Yeah, not Joe Rogan. Which, we that character has such little character, they had to show a clip of his interrogation again right before that scene. <laughs> With the fr- name Tripod written under his name. Again. <laughs> not in the font that was on the interrogation tape, font in the movie. Like, <laughs> it's Character's uh, not this film strong. Writing is not this film strong suit. The character stuff comes from like the very committed actors and actresses. Yeah. It's it's commitment to just the worst shit. Um, but, yeah. And there's a pretty good... Uh, I like the sequence of, like, happening upon an action scene after it's already happened. Mm-hmm. And then seeing what they think happened, you know? Yeah. Um, that's actually a pretty good, like, red herring moment. I'm wondering if that was a, something that was changed in post-production, too. Maybe. Though. It does feel like, yeah, like, someone was like, we gotta have some fucking gunfights in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise we will spoil the film. <laughs> yeah, because there's really no action until, like, the last 15 minutes? Yeah. There's not a ton. But, like, it looks like Tripod was murdered by the cartel. That's when Breacher reunites everyone. And Lizzie's, like, freaking out. And then tells her husband that she's been having an affair with Terrence Howard. There's a lot of, uh, just, just pornographic violence against against Mexicans. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not the best. Um this is when we get the reveal that the uh, snuff film we saw in the beginning was footage of Arnold's family. Um and then we get clips of Arnold's family that feel like it was from a bigger movie. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like those clips feel like they were part of scenes <laughs> that were then cut. Whatever keeps the movie shorter, I guess. Yeah, I mean Look, this is 109 minutes. Yeah. That's about... You know what? That might even be too long for this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it would be, like, perfect if it was a solid 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we get that Arnold then, like, for, like, however long, just went on, like, a rampage, just killing all the people he thought were responsible and never got the guy ultimately responsible. That's, like, the big reveal, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Quote-unquote big. There's, there's a couple... That they try to pull yeah. over this. But I think this 
this is when the film becomes like a schlock masterpiece uh-huh. when it's just like kind of every man woman for themselves. Yeah. Well, first Arnold goes over to Olivia's place after they have a fight because like he didn't tell her about the whole I went on a killing spree thing, and uh, he just like confronts her swimming naked in her pool, <laughs> um, which I don't own a pool, but the people who own pools do that. If they had a more private residence, maybe. I guess it didn't really look that private though. No. No, it, it looked didn't. like it looked like if you like had a like just a like we're on a ladder, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I don't know. It's what people, you know. Ben Franklin used to run around his estate naked. Hmm. And he used to say he was taking air baths. I, I don't think that's how that worked, Ben. Well, th- he he helped found this country. <laughs> <laughs> huh. These are the mines. That helped found America. <laughs> you dare speak ill of the founding fathers? <laughs> yes, I would, actually. <laughs> I mean, I think Ben Franklin, like, bankrupted himself, like, three times, so... <laughs> oh, Ben. <laughs> what a fucking guy. <laughs> I mean, I, hey, he's one of, like, three founding fathers who didn't own slaves, so... Mm, we'll take the ones we can get at this point. Yeah, it's like him and John Adams. <laughs> and no one liked him. The Breacher and uh, Olivia William... I can't even remember the character's name. Livy Williams' character. <laughs> Lizzie. They end up li- no, no, Lizzie is... Uh, oh, all right. Oh, yeah, Livia Williams. Um, she's Investigator Brentwood. Thank you. Yeah, yeah they, they hook her, up. Her, her and Arnold, like, sleep together. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole, like, thing the next morning where it's like, damn, girl! Ah. Yeah. And, like, I I guess that just is trying to show like how trashy everyone is. Not not her sleeping with Arnold. I think this but, like, is just. I think this is just how David Ayer thinks the world is. Maybe because like that. It's either that or he might be a genius. This one time only. You know. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I I I. All evidence points to the contrary. <laughs> <laughs> I just think he would be exhausting to hang out with. No. Yeah. I never want to meet him. Ever. Weird guy. Uh, what did he get up? What didn't he like? What was the movie he was like? Oh, remember he said like "fuck Marvel" at the premiere of like Suicide Squad. Yeah, that was weird. That was very weird. And he was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. It was like high energy. I was really hyped up to premiere this film who, that I worked really hard on." Who are these people that defend that movie? Like that. Like here's like BVS. Like has shit to it. You know. Like there's nothing going on in Suicide Squad that's worth a damn. It's like incidental. <laughs> I'm looking at the poster and I'm just like, how dare you? I the see the thing is the new one's gonna come out, the James Gunn one, and people aren't gonna like it because everyone's exhausted, and then people are gonna reevaluate. Um, they're gonna reevaluate fucking Suicide Squad. I know what the big thing is gonna be too. They're gonna be like, well, at least the original was shot on film. That's why it looks so good. And then you'll realize people have never actually seen the film because it looks like fucking dog shit. <laughs> Suicide Squad was shot on film. Yeah, but it does, that, I mean, you know, that stuff doesn't matter. That's that's you know? insulting, though. Yeah, like it's it, it comes down to like lighting and, and post production and all that shit, but like it doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> like especially with that film, like what a waste. It's it's gonna be exhausting. Yeah, but whatever, whatever. I mean, this film is a little exhausting too. Yeah, it it definitely is. But it's like again, thankfully, it's under two hours. <laughs> Like that was my worry going into it. I honestly didn't remember how long it was. Um, even though I just I just rewatched it recently, um, for 
fucking whatever reason. Because it's on Netflix now. That's, that's why I rewatched it. Now my dad just put it on one day. Oh, what did he think? Um, we saw it in theaters together. Oh, okay, and, and great. We're both like we like it, but we don't know why. Like we're both kind of <laughs> in the same boat of just like we're kind of baffled by it. My dad just likes violence, though. So, mm. like his is like an easy. Maybe that's just that it, it all it is for me. I just enjoy the violence of this film. Have you seen Den of Thieves yet? You know what I haven't. It's on the list. Okay, I, I think you'd like it. It's Plus, one of those ones. It's easier uh, than this. Yeah, it's it's one. I'm like. I have, like, a list of films that I'm saving for, like, when my family's bothering me for movie night. <laughs> so I can just, like, go, like, oh, put down the thieves on. Yeah, yeah, that that's a good one. Although my dad made a good choice with, uh, who's the fucking Hills Have Eyes guy? He just had a new movie. Alexander Az- Aja? Aha. Yeah, yeah. Aja, I think. Aja. Yeah, he had a new movie called, uh, Oxygen. Oh, was that good? I liked it. Okay. Although I, I like him, I it, it it was ridiculously complicated to for me to get it in the original flat French language through uh, Netflix, but after that, it was very good. Yeah, I like I like him as a filmmaker, and I, I really liked Crawl. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit like kind of Crawl adjacent, like it's like a little bit like Crawl, but without Crawl twenty forty nine. Yeah, a little. It's a little bit. It's interesting. It was interesting, and I didn't expect it. So, um, yeah, you know, every now and then you find something good on Netflix, like Sabotage. <laughs> like Sabotage, yeah. Um, this is when everyone starts really, like, betraying each other. Uh, Lizzie kills her husband? Um, yeah, that happens at some point. Well, no, first, uh, she snipers, what's his name? Oh, Grinder, because yeah, he's, he's gonna... He's gonna admit he's something. He's gonna turn in. Turn them in and shit. Yeah, he's going to admit something important, and then he gets, they're like, we can protect you. And, like, almost like it's a comedy shot. He gets his fucking brains blown out. Yeah. Oh, they also do, like, a raid on, like, a cartel group. Um, And it's, a, like, a long scene of them, like, terrorizing black people for a long scene. And then they just happen to find, like, drug dealers. But then it turns out it wasn't the drug dealers they were after. And then we get the important detail, which is that, like, these bodies float up from underwater. Um, that they match the guys that were found, the body that was found at Tripod's place, but they're a week old. Which means they were killed, like, before this shit started happening, so that doesn't make any sense. So that's, like, the first sign that, like, it's not the cartel. The cartel's being framed for everything. And what do you know? Turns out that Lizzie and Sugar were... Planning on escaping together? <laughs> it doesn't really make sense when you break it down. But I guess the idea is that she was just so fucked up on, on like, meth or whatever. <laughs> I feel like David Ayer might be one of those guys who thinks pot can, like, do real damage to you. <laughs> he saw Reefer Manish and he was, like, three and it just, like, fucked him up. He tried to overdose with a joint once. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, cruel world. Yeah. <laughs> um... No, but it, I think they try to play it like as, as like a tragic scene when she kills her husband, Sam Worthington. Yeah, it's, it is a scene where it's like she's like like uh, she didn't mean to do it. Like she lashed out and like because she's just a crazy drug addled woman who's just making irrational decisions, which is like that women part... be shopping. Yeah, it's like it's weird. And then she's like, oh, I didn't mean to do it. Uh... It's also, I think, supposed to be shocking that that's how uh, Sam Worthington goes out, you know, mm-hmm. and then. <laughs> really what you do is you get the end credits and you're like that was Sam Worthington? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
You know, I will say is like a genuine leap from that like attempt at tragedy is when his body is stuffed into the fridge. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just like, wait, whoa. <laughs> Um, and then we get, like, a final car chase where, like, multiple civilians die. <laughs> oh, my. This is incredible. Which, uh, yeah. There's that. Because, one, I will say, I think this is, like, an actually pretty good action scene. No, no, it is. And it's, like, I, I think David Ayer, like, starts to shine when, like, they're fucking up, you know? Like, the mm-hmm. car chase isn't, like, going off without a hitch. Like, they keep hitting the curb. Like, they can't make the turns well. Like... The ridiculous thing is her sitting in, like, the back of the, like, trunk with a machine gun. But, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, other than that, it's, like, got, like, a genuinely kind of, like, grounded vibe to it, you know? Mm-hmm. That I think helps. Which is, then on top of that, where, like, people are just getting, like, pancaked and, like... Oh, there's so much, like, just destruction and just incidental the violence, like... But what kills me... Lizzie and Sugar, they crash. Their car crashes into a biker whose head smashes into the windshield. Yeah. <laughs> and he, so he can't see through the blood. So Terrence Howard goes out when he crashes into the back of a pickup truck. And it, like, shears through their car, killing him and, like, mangling Lizzie's yeah, she's body. she's mortally wounded at that point. It, I was, like, cackling. That was unbelievably stupid and it's, i loved it yeah it, so much it's just great that the chase ends without arnold really doing anything yeah no it was an like, accident yeah he hit a guy <laughs> that guy's the real hero unnamed biker <laughs> unnamed biker <laughs> they got into such a bad wreck at the end of that chase that like that dude and terrence howard remains are probably like mixed up with each oh other yeah now. they're just they're just gone it's closed casket it's, like oh it was it's, so it's, gross it's disgusting um and then that's the thing where it's like they run up and then they're like why'd you do it dizzy and she was like because you guys stole the money and didn't give me any of it and it's like i knew you fuckers were lying you stole the money and that's when i was like no i stole the money and i do like that he kind of delivers it in a matter-of-fact way like, I'm not sure if that's just Arnold's limits as an actor or if, like, that was a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's an interesting one. And then, like, Olivia Williams is like, what the fuck? And, like, she kind of has, like, a freak out where, like, she can't believe that Arnold was the one that took the money the whole time. And, like, I think we're supposed to be as shocked as her, but we're, like, kind of like... I mean, I, I kind of saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> but then the funniest thing in it is her freaking out, and they cut back to Arnold, and Arnold literally slides out of the frame. <laughs> <laughs> It's like he just slides out and then he's gone. <laughs> it's like he's right here. Oh, where'd he go? Like literally <laughs> that. And then it's like, oh, look at the carnage. Look at the blood. And then we find out Arnold took the ten million to pay for information on the location of the guy who tortured and murdered his family. Now before we talk about that last scene, I have to talk about a deleted scene. Uh, from the film. Uh-huh. Breacher and uh, investigator Brentwood have one final moment together after that. Do you know about this scene? No, I don't. So Arnold's packing up in the car, getting ready to go. He's got his rifle and stuff next to him. She pops up in his windshield and she's like, put your hands in the, in the, in the air or the wheel, whatever, right? And he's like, why'd you do it? Yada, yada. And he's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. And she's like, no, you're not. And like, okay, put your gun down. Don't, no, don't touch anything. And he kills her and then drives Whoa. off. 
whoa. Yeah. That is a good scene to cut. Because <laughs> that would, like, genuinely ruin the movie. Like, I would abandon this film at that moment. You don't need it. I And, you know, just like, on a, <laughs> it's weird to talk about it this way, but, like, in, in, like, the dramatic sense, I like the image of her and her partner being stuck with, like, just this wreckage yeah. of everything left behind. No, no, it's good. But that's this is the thing where it's like, all right, so Arnold, he stole the money so he could pay for information on the guy that, like, killed his, that tortured and killed his family. What are we supposed to feel about any of this? I don't know. I think we're supposed to be like, yeah, it's fucking badass. I don't know if that, because I don't, I honestly, I don't know if David Ayer is like a fucking badass type guy. Like, I think he thinks he's like cutting to like an emotional core here. I don't know. But I don't know if he's like, look at the lengths this man will go or like, it doesn't, it really doesn't feel like revenge is destructive is the message, you know? Mm-hmm. If we're looking at, if we're trying to explain why the fuck this movie's called Sabotage. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I got nothing. I mean, maybe it's like, it's sabot. they sabotage themselves? They sabotage each other? Yeah. And it's like, I honestly don't understand, like, if Arnold had been like, I took the 10 million because I, I can use it to, like, get the guy who killed my family. Like, that, the team felt pretty close. Mm-hmm. To the point where, like, they might have taken that bullet for him, you know? Yeah. Like, why, where did this come from? Where, like, he was like, no, nah, I can't tell him that. And maybe that's what, there's, like, a, there's a scene where, like, they're cleaning up Arnold after his rampage that also feels like it was maybe a longer scene. So maybe there was, like, another version of this where, like, we explained why they wouldn't be okay with him, like, going back. But the movie feels like it's, try, it's like, okay with him doing this, you know? Mm-hmm. which is what like it just throws like it just puts another thing on top of a thing and just like goes like I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about any of this but I think this movie thinks it's getting like redemption through violence you know yeah but it's it's 100% not doing that and it's just like this is how destructive like white guy fantasies are <laughs> like all you're gonna succeed at is getting gear yourself all your friends enemies and innocent bystanders killed like that's all that will ultimately be accomplished here i will say i laughed my ass off at the ending because arnold does find the guy right he tracks he follows him into the bathroom shoves his head all right into an ice cake urinal yeah and then we get um i said that other line earlier was the worst Mm -hmm. this might be the worst this might be the worst line in the like the worst exchange in the movie between the guy and Arnold, um, he says like there's like you just won't bring your family back. He says some shit like that. He's like, I was the last to have her. You can never get that back. Which I don't even need to say what that says. Yeah, um, that I, that's horrible. That's horrible. And then Arnold's response is. I could kill your family, but I'm not like you. And that's why America's the greatest country on earth. <laughs> I lost it at the I'm not like you line. Yeah, Immediately followed by him shooting that man in the head, shooting the next man that walks in the door, shooting several innocent bystanders at the bar while he was trying to kill the last remaining cartel guards, mm-hmm. blood dripping at his side, has yeah. a glass of whiskey and lights up a cigar, 
as the the sirens and the music build in the background as we mm-hmm. cut to black. Holy all fuck. Alright, I have to point out another movie this reminds me of. Okay. And this will be the most obscure reference I think I make on this show. Um, this reminds me of the hit film, not really hit, it was a big flop. Um, the hit film Penn and Teller Get Killed. Oh my god. Have you seen Penn and Teller Get Killed? No. <laughs> it was directed by Arthur Penn. Who did fucking Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> it's his last movie. It's the only feature film, I believe, starring Penn and Teller. Um, like, like they were trying to do like a peewee thing with Penn and Teller, I think. And it's a black comedy. And the plot of the movie is that like Penn and Teller keep pranking each other, but then there's like a real assassin after them, right? <laughs> so like they, you don't know where it begins and where it ends, right? Like, you don't know what's a prank and what isn't. And the end of the movie, spoilers for Penn and Teller Get Killed. The end of the movie is, it turns out it was all a prank orchestrated by Penn to pull on Teller for his birthday as a surprise birthday thing. But at the last minute, Teller gets a hold of a real gun and shoots Penn and kills him. (laughs) (laughs) And then, grief-stricken, Teller turns the gun on himself. And then the end of the movie implies that because of the, this scene of Penn and Teller being killed, everyone involved in the prank starts killing themselves. And it's possible that the, the, the suicides and murders just keep going on until everyone on Earth is killed. Wow. Um. So truth in advertising, first of all. <laughs> um, but that's a movie... <laughs> We're Penn and Teller, who are, like, magicians who are known for kind of, like, doing, like, pranks and, like, you know, doing silly things and playing with the audience. So they decide to make a film that's, like, don't prank your friends because you'll get everyone killed. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what sabotage kind of feels like. Don't be so focused on revenge because you're just going to get all your friends killed. We could do Penn and Teller Get Killed. We don't have to. We don't, I don't think it's ever been released on DVD. I think it's one of those like one of those few movies where it's like only VHS. Which is just weird still. That is weird. There's there like, a with, couple out there like that. Yeah, and Penn and Teller kind of had a renaissance like a few years ago, so I'm, I'm surprised there wasn't like a nostalgia thing for it. It could still happen. Maybe. But yeah, the Penn and Teller both die. <laughs> they get shot. <laughs> and it's like and that's not sabotage. It's not funny either, which is what makes it great. Um yeah, that's sab- like it's just like sad. <laughs> oh, you were explaining like a comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a comedy, but that last scene is played 100% straight. <laughs> and it ends with the BG's I started a joke, which played over the Suicide Squad trailer. <laughs> wow. Yes it did. And then it and then it even ends with a a monologue from Penn explaining that yep they're dead and then don't take this shot of the film the camera because like rising in the air he's like and we're definitely not going to heaven because suicide's a mortal sin <laughs> <laughs> it's like murder and suicide are sins so we're not going to heaven and that's how the movie ends and that's what happens here because Arnold shoots all the guys and then he sits down at the bar and presumably dies. I think this is a prequel to The Last Stand. 
Uh, maybe. And the last stand is about Arnold redeeming himself from the atrocities in this film. I mean, I could see that. Yeah. Hanging out with Johnny Knoxville for a few years. Yeah, and he's just trying to be a good guy in that film. But he doesn't deserve redemption is the problem. No, he doesn't. He absolutely doesn't. So, like, that would ruin Last Stand. Maybe, yeah. This is, maybe this is too vile for, for Last Stand. Like, this is the thing. I just that. don't know where this movie falls. But, like, it's rare to see a film that is this engaging where every character is evil. Like, save maybe Olivia Williams. Yeah. You know, there's that saying that, like, you know, you have to love the characters you're writing and stuff like that. You can't tell a story unless you really love, like, everything in it. Uh-huh. You don't have to endorse everything in it, but you have to love it. Then I cannot how... imagine sitting down to write these characters and being like, yeah, I, I care about them. They're a part but, of me. <laughs> but how how can Beavis and Butthead exist if that's true? No, no, I'm not, I'm not even, like, endorsing that as, like, 100%. <laughs> the way to go all the time but i just think of that you know like when it comes to this film like it definitely doesn't apply here you know the original ending of beavis and butthead they were supposed to die really yeah like i think that was the original idea and then like they got like cold feet at the last second oh but don't worry they're coming back for paramount plus are they really yeah this will be their second return oh okay after comedy central remember they did like one year like, it was weird. They had a weird, like, revival where, like, they came back and they watched, they tried to do the whole thing, but it just failed. Kind of. I never uh, saw a lot of Beavis and Butthead, though. Oh, man. Beavis and Butthead holds up. Okay. Mike, Mike Judge shit, shit mostly holds up. It's like Idiocracy is, like, the one miss. Uh, how's, um, what was this fucking HBO show? Silicon Valley? Silicon Valley, yeah. I, I only, saw the first season. I liked it. Yeah, that's the same. I only watched the first season. <laughs> and then it was like, I just I'll remember get back like, to the it. legendary dick joke in that. Yeah, I just it was like, I'll, I'll get back to that eventually. And then like multiple people that are involved with that show have been like exposed as assholes. Yeah, so yeah. So like, oh, maybe not. So maybe that one's not even on him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, King of the Hill, you know, like that's like legendary. Yeah, King of the know? Hill is like, for some reason, like, hung in there and like lasted like 10 years <laughs> like yeah ridiculous. yeah i never saw those last couple seasons so i, heard it was I got good. that waiting for me someday yeah i you know i wonder what hank hill would have thought of sabotage i don't think he would have liked it honestly <laughs> oh bobby <laughs> <laughs> nudity dang bobby. it david ayer i'm gonna kick your ass <laughs> that's sabotage yes, horrendous was. work of art made yeah. on accident uh yeah, I, I don't know if I endorse this film, frankly. But there's nothing fucking like it, honestly. There's some repugnant fucking movies out there. But there this like it 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 shatters like the glass ceiling on repugnancy. Like <laughs> it just it comes full circle where it's like you can watch this movie cuz everyone you hate everyone in it. Like I don't know. I don't know. I've never been a, seen a movie that engaging where you can hate all the characters. We may never see another film of its like again. And uh, at the very least, we can appreciate that. It might slowly be becoming a cult classic. Like, I think exploitation fans really latched onto it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, remember, I remember that happening, like, really quickly. Now, unfortunately, as we learned with Grindhouse, the exploitation audience is, like, a fraction <laughs> of the film-going audience. So that wasn't going to help. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it was just shocking. It's still shocking. Even now, 
like almost seven years later <laughs> like yeah like i do pretty good when it comes to like cinematic violence or like grotesities you know like if someone throws up on screen i'm like yeah it's like whatever it doesn't bother me i, c- I could eat while i'm watching that or whatever I don't know about this one. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty disgusting. Like we're saying that a lot, but I don't think I'm stressing enough. It it is genuinely repugnant. We couldn't. We really probably couldn't like get away with describing some of the stuff that happens in this. Yeah. Like yeah, like we would we would be like hung in the streets. <laughs> like they're coming for us. Cancel culture. David Ayer was right. No. Oh. No. No. Five stars for me. Um, it's that thing where like when I make my best of the year list, it's like at the very end, but like with the not without a star rating. Where I'm like, That's I fair. I just have to put this here. <laughs> <laughs> I just need people to know it exists at the yeah. very least. <laughs> uh, but I guess that's it for this week's show. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, don't finger the devil's pussy. No. Okay, Matt. Where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN at Twitter.com and Twitch. And you can find me at the Deagle Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. We're going to get early access to the rest of these episodes in this mini retrospective. Uh, we'll be doing Legend of Korra at the same time as this, so you'll get some early stuff there, too. Uh, Matt, what are we talking about next week? What are we talking about next week? <laughs> um, really, we're talking about Scott Pilgrim, but I'm in the one after that. Um... Is this over?